This is a great day. Moms, we're thankful for you. Happy Mother's Day. And if, um, if your household's anything kind of like ours, I say to Janet many, many times that she is the human glue that holds our family together. <laughs> and so thank you so much just for all that you moms do. I'm kind of a history guy, and I always like to know what's behind something, how these days start. So I did just a little bit of uh, research here in the history of Mother's Day. If some of you already know this, go ahead and snooze. I'll wake you up when we're done. Mother's Day is a holiday in honor of mothers that is celebrated in countries throughout the world. In its modern form, the holiday originated in the United States. Second Sunday in May, Many other countries also celebrate the holiday in the state, while some mark the observance at other times during the year. Now, during the Middle Ages, the custom developed of allowing those who had moved away to visit their home parishes and their mothers on L'Etre Sunday, the fourth day of Lent. And then this became what's called Mothering Sunday in Britain, where it continued to modern times, and it's pretty much largely been replaced by Mother's Day. So fast forward all the way to 1907. Anna Jarvis of Philadelphia, her mom had organized a women's group to promote friendship and health, and that originated Mother's Day. So on May 12th of 1907, she held a memorial service at her late mother's church in Grafton, West Virginia. Within five years, virtually every state was observing the day, and in 1914, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson made it a national holiday. Although Anna had promoted the wearing of a white carnation as a tribute to one's mother, customs change <laughs> and developed to wearing a red or pink carnation to represent a living mother while a white carnation for a mother who had passed away. Over the time, the day was expanded to include others such as grandmothers, aunts, and others who played the mothering roles. So what had originally been primarily a day of honor became associated with the sending of cards, giving of gifts. Hello, Hallmark. <laughs> the lovely Hallmark stepped in place. However, and in its protest against the commercialization, Anna Jarvis spent the last years of her life trying to abolish the holiday <laughs> that she had brought forth into being. And her last words, now this is unverified, just unverified reports say that her last words were, a mother's work is never done. The theme of Proverbs, we're wrapping up Proverbs here on Mother's Day today, and I know this may be a shock to many of you. Today's passage we'll be looking at is Proverbs 31. <laughs> Shocker. The whole theme of Proverbs is the beginning of, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And how does one get wisdom? Get wisdom. And by all means, get insight. That's chapter 4, verse 7. Before we get into the passage here, I know that this day is a hard day for some. This day is a hard day that isn't celebrated. In fact, it's looked on with anxiety, with depression, sometimes with anger. Some here may have lost a child and have not been able to be a biological mom. 
Janet and I have a baby in heaven waiting for us, I believe, that we'll be able to meet someday. But there's a great hope for you. You can still have a godly mother type of legacy. You can be a spiritual mom to kids that desperately need to know what a godly mom looks like. One huge superhero spiritual mom just recently went home to be with Jesus, and that was Ruth. She has many, many spiritual children. And what a great way to be a spiritual blessing and a spiritual parent to a child right here at Faith Community. And in turn, what's cool is that's going to be a source of blessing to you as well. Some of you may not celebrate this day or want to or look at it with angst because your mom was lacking or not present or not something that you believe worth to be celebrated. My heart hurts for you, but there is a great hope for you as well. Our Heavenly Father, who created both men and women, he was the giver of all these attributes to moms. In fact, the word says that God can and does satisfy every longing you have for earthly parents, both a father and a mother. Psalm 68.5 says that he's the father of the fatherless and protector of widows. And that protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Isaiah 66.13a, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. Words from God the Father. There is still great hope for you. You have a heavenly Father who loves you and can be that all in all for you, even if your earthly or biological mom was lacking. And some of you here may not want to celebrate this day because you think that you've failed as a role of mom. There's great hope for you as well. I want to encourage you today because Jesus hasn't given up on you. He hasn't. You might have given up on yourself. Others might have given up on you. But Jesus never does. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And Jesus is all about the redemption business. That I can attest to. The key for you is just to surrender to him. Oh, gee, Dave, thanks for the Christianese surrender to him phrase. I am dead serious. When you get to the end of you, because there's nothing left, and you lay down your own strength, your own everything, and you just say, all right, God, prove yourself, because I'm at the end. That's when he loves to do his work, is when you give up on your own strength. It's not too late. Things don't always go the way that we hoped or planned. But one thing I do know and can attest to is that God is sovereign. God is perfect. God is loving. He's kind. He's rich in mercy and grace. And the person that you, need to give your, that you need to give a break to is yourself. 
Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. A lot of us know this passage. We're not going to really be focusing much here today. We're going to be in the first nine verses, but I'm just going to touch on verses 10 through 31 here real quick. These verses are laid out as an alphabet of womanly excellence. What I mean by that is this poem is what's called an acrostic poem. So in the Hebrew, the first letter of every sentence goes right through the Hebrew alphabet. And while this paints a picture of almost the unattainable goal of what being a godly woman is, Here's a mind-blowing truth, okay? Write this one down. Everyone here, everyone watching online, everyone in the overflow, you are all sinners. <laughs> I'm a sinner. There's no way we can attain to this. It's like looking at the Ten Commandments. It is impossible to keep every one of those Ten Commandments. In fact, the moment we took our first breath, we broke them because we were born with sin. This portrait has set such a high standard for godly women that many women have actually said it's depressing to hear this passage read. And it becomes a source of stress and a source of sadness and guilt and shame because how far they believe they've fallen from this unattainable standard. Well, you're right, it's unattainable. It's a process called sanctification. And if you take anything home today besides let the Lord be your strength, let the Lord be your joy, let the Lord be your, your joy of your salvation is this. Don't let the enemy hijack God's word. Don't let the enemy hijack God's promises. And don't let the enemy hijack or twist as he loves to do God's truth. This profile of these verses, 10 through 31, it's an ideal, okay? It's just, it's an ideal. Something to, it's something to set your, your arrow for. Obviously, besides the cross all the time, right? It's a full-scale full example of virtue and wisdom. And here's a little caveat, guys. It's not just for women. <laughs> We're to have these same kind of attributes and characteristics, too, and strive towards these things, too. We're supposed to chase after these, too. And ladies, again, this is a process of lifelong sanctification. Do your best as unto the Lord and keep growing in his grace, his mercy, and wisdom. So this acrostic poem, it begins and ends with the godly woman's attribute of excellence. It starts out talking about the heart of her husband trusts in her. It paints the picture of partnership of marriage. Not 50%, 50%, but 100%, 100%. Now some of you are like, Dave, I'm a single mom. God bless you. You are not worth less. You are not forgotten. You're not thought less of. You are held in just high esteem in God's eyes and Jesus' eyes as this godly woman that's married, OK? 
okay? Your identity in Christ is not something to achieve, guys, ladies. Your identity in Christ is received 100%. No working towards that identity. The moment you received and placed Jesus as your Savior and placed your faith and trust in Him, you received His identity for you in full. That's who you are. As Paul says, not as you once were. That is not you anymore. You are a new creation. So again, do not let the enemy hijack God's word and his promises. Do not. Goes on to say this godly woman, she's devoted to the well-being of her household. Absolutely. Her family rises up and calls her blessed. They praise her. Well, Dave, you don't understand. My kids and I, we have strained relationships at best. They don't rise up and call me blessed. They don't praise me. Let me say it to you. I call you blessed. I call you to be praised. Because God created you to be a mom. And your identity, again, comes from him not from someone or something else. And I want to bless you with the blessings of God the Father Almighty and of his Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit, that now if you have placed your faith and saving trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone, your Holy Spirit, our Holy Spirit, now dwells in you. Let him be your joy. Let him be your source of truth. Let him be the one that gives you the strength. This day is your day, ladies. Rejoice in what your Heavenly Father has given to you in blessings. We sang about it. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings and you'll see what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And just in case you forgot, count your many blessings. See what God has done. So that's the part that I'm sure everyone plus their mom and dad have ever read in Proverbs 31 here. We're going to look at Proverbs 1, 1 through 9. And if you would, please stand as we just read this real quick. Proverbs 31, verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. For it is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Or, as original language says, and wine to those bitter in soul. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. You can be seated. Thanks. Who is this King Lemuel? (laughs) Kind of appears out of the blue here, right at the end of the Book of Wisdom. Well, honestly, no one really knows. (laughs) 
fact, most commentators um, don't even know where he was king or if he was even an Israelite. And the original text and the manuscript here in these first nine verses show in the verse 2, the word son, and verse 3, the, king, the word king, have Aramaic spellings. And the name Yahweh, which is the God of Israel, isn't present in any of his writings. Well, then why is this in the Bible? Because God made it part of the Bible. <laughs> trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus and to trust and obey. We believe this is the inspire whole entire word of God without error. That's what I trust. And the, this message title is just a mother's wisdom. In preparation for this, verse 1 stuck out to me in Proverbs 31. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. It's a king recounting the instruction, the godly instruction, because it's in God's word that his mother taught him. And now he's retelling it. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9, we see this replete throughout Proverbs, guys. We see many times, hear my son, the instruction of your father. Hear my son, the instruction of your mother. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9, hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teachings. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. This paternal appeal is all throughout the first nine chapters of Proverbs. And for all kids in this room, <laughs> here's how I describe kids. This is how it was described to me back in my late teens when my parents and I would have conflicts. <laughs> By the way, happy Mother's Day, Mom. Thanks for watching. <laughs> and my youth pastor, whom many of you met this last September, said to me, Dave, as long as your feet are under, are under your parents' table, you honor them, you obey them. When you go out on your own, you don't really need to obey, but you honor them. So... Kids in this room, kids loosely, young adults, if your feet are still under the proverbial table of your parents, honor your parents' godly instruction. Honor your father, honor your mother. It's a commandment. And as Solomon is telling his sons, the godly instruction that your parents give to you, write them on the tablet of your heart. It's almost like tattoo your heart with them. So it's there for as long as you take breath in this earth. These are your lifelines. Verses 2 through 9. Lemuel's mom instructs him to do three things as a king. Stay sober-minded. That means basically be vigilant. Stay away from godless women. Stay away from godless people in general because... Lousy company corrupts good character. So stay sober-minded. Don't let your character be destroyed or corrupted by people who are not walking in the ways of the Lord. That's the first one. Second one, stay sober. Don't let your judgment, don't let your discernment, don't let your decisions be clouded 
or impaired by substance abuse or getting tangled up in sin, these worthless pursuits of idols that look better to us than Jesus does. And particularly as a king, his judgments and his decisions have that much more weight. And then three, rule or judge justly. Have compassion and defend those and stand up for those that can't speak on their own and can't defend themselves. And from what we see in the passage, Lemuel is heeding and following this wise counsel from his mom. Now, moms, in raising your kids, you have some amazing mountaintop experiences where you're like, my kids. And then there's other times, the low valley experiences where you're like, oh, my kids. And mom and dad, I'm sorry you had many more of those times than I have out in times with me. We're to pray for our kids. We're to model the Christ-directed life for our kids by living that out. That's great, Dave. What does that entail? Hey, glad you asked. Quick repentance, fast forgiveness, ever-present love of Jesus. So simple, it just might work, but extremely hard to keep working at. The most valuable weapon, moms, dads, but mainly moms, and especially single moms, the most valuable weapon you have is prayer. In God's scriptures, right here. These two, these are your go-tos. These are your lifelines. Our kids are blessings from God. They were given to us on loan from God. And we will give an account as to how we raised our kids to our Heavenly Father and their Heavenly Father someday. So pray for your kids. And I want to encourage you with this too. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are powerful. Check this out. Psalm 56, verse 8. Talks about how God collects and remembers our tears. You have kept count of my tossings or my wanderings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? And then God's going to be wiping the last tear or tears from our eyes that we will ever cry when we're with him. Revelation 21.4 says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anywhere, for the former things have passed away. Keep those prayers going. Your prayers are powerful. A couple biblical examples of godly moms. We have Hannah, going all the way back to 1 Samuel. She wasn't able to have any kids, and she cried out to the Lord, fell on her knees, crying as she prayed. She couldn't even say the words out loud. She's sitting on her knees, 
volunteers mouthing the words of her prayer, and you have this moron priest named Eli who's so out of touch with the Lord that the Lord curses his house and his kids for their blasphemous and their heretical representation of being that mediator between God and man. He looks at this godly mom, thinks that she's drunk. That's how out of tune and out of touch he was. But God heard her prayers. And what she prayed for is, Lord, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him to you. I will give him to you all the days of his life. He grants her that request. Now what does she do? Thanks, Lord, and I'm just going to take a snooze button on just dedicating my son, like I said, because I want to enjoy him for a bit, okay? No. She followed through on her vow immediately. And she visited him every year. She made him a new robe every year, gave him his, like his birthday robe, if you will, every single year while he was being raised by moron Eli. But here's the cool thing. God the Father raised her son. And God the Father spoke to, um, spoke to Samuel. He was able to start hearing, recognizing, and then obeying the voice of the Lord. And moms, this is your call. This is your charge. Is to raise your kids to be able to recognize, hear, and obey the voice of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Samuel, as we said, he literally grew up in the ways of the Lord in his house. A couple of cool things about Samuel. He was Israel's last judge, Israel's first prophet. And he also functioned as a priest, interceding on behalf of God's people. A couple other people here that we actually Pastor Russ mentioned last week. Eunice, Timothy's mother, and his grandmother Lois kind of give extra props to Lois because her godly generational influence on Lois and then on Timothy. So grandparents, your role is huge. I know we have a grandparents ministry here, which is awesome. That is fantastic. Because the influence of a grandparent is much different than a parent. And then another one, we have Mary herself, Jesus' mom. In Luke 1, she erupts in a Holy Spirit-influenced, induced, spontaneous song called the Magnificat, where she's just praising God, saying, just being blown away by being chose to give birth to the Savior of the world, especially the Savior she says that she needed to. Her son, she needed to die for her. She couldn't make it to paradise, to God's kingdom on her own. And this I love seeing. Jesus honors his mom all the way to the end. He's taking his last breaths on the cross, dying for you, dying for me, dying for his mom, dying for those disciples, dying for everyone there present. He still takes care of his mom. He sees John, the disciple John, one of the sons of thunder, stand next to his mom, looks at John, says, Behold your mother. Looks at Mary to John, Behold your son. 
making sure that his mom was taken care of while he wasn't going to be a visible earthly presence anymore. And anyone who still has a mom living, that's the kind of love that we need to be showing to our moms. Now again, if your mom is lacking, that's a whole different situation. But what a picture painted by our Savior and how, to, and how he treated his mom. We want to do the same. So as we wrap this up today, just biological and spiritual moms, thank you for all you do. With the blessing of Jesus, I want to call you blessed. With the blessing of Jesus, I want to praise you. I want to celebrate you. You've been given a huge, almost monumental, impossible task, but an amazing task at the same time. And it is possible by just walking with Jesus. So like King Lemuel's mom gave to him, here's your charge as you continue to raise your biological and your spiritual kids in Jesus. Stay sober-minded. Teach and model to your kids the fear of the Lord in the salvation sense of that, because it's the beginning of godly wisdom. Stay sober. Don't have any worship disorders. Steve Entnell, one of the gentlemen that Pastor Russ met at Iron Sharpens Iron, just nailed, brought every sin down to this. It's a worship disorder. Have Jesus on the throne of your life. Raise your kids to have Jesus on the throne of theirs. And lastly, rule, judge justly, make God-honoring decisions, stand up for godly justice. When you mess up in front of your kids, and don't worry, you will, repent. Ask them for forgiveness, apologize to them, model how it's done. So when they mess up, they'll do the same, and then you love them through that whole process. Micah 6.8 says this, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And then I know the prayer of every parent here watching those online in the overflow room. 3 John 1.4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. So where's Jesus in this chapter? He's in it all. He's in this book. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And this wisdom of Proverbs is truth, with a capital T. And Jesus is truth. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Rest in these words. And again, do not let the enemy hijack God's words, his truth, and his promises to you. Do not. Speak words of life that come right from God's word. Let the Holy Spirit speak life into you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again just for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of repentance. Thank you for the gift of prayer.
Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that we were not left alone, Jesus, when you phys- physically left this earth. You left the helper and the advocate, the Holy Spirit, that now makes his home in us, that of Jesus the Savior. Lord, I just pray that every lady here in this room watching online in the overflow, overflow room, that they will leave here with that great hope that you have not left them, you have not forgotten them, you don't think less of them. They don't have to achieve their identity in you. The moment they place their faith and trust in you as their Lord and as their their Savior Jesus, they receive their identity in you in full forever. Don't let the enemy come and steal the joy of our salvation and the joy of being made a new creation in you. Humbly ask you, bless these ladies and their households as they leave. Lord, give them hope. Give them encouragement. Be their comfort, their strength. And let us as a church body encourage them and edify them. And call them blessed. And and praise them for what they are doing and for the job they're doing as their best unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we trust you. In your name, amen.